We are into week 10, episode 10 of Cycle Talk SA. My name is Brad Brown. I'm the host. It's good to have you on board. And just before we get into this week's show, I just want to say a big thank you to everyone who tweeted and sent emails and messages about last week's interview with Robbie Hunter on his retirement. I really do appreciate all your kind words. Uh, if you haven't listened to that interview yet, it is still available. All you have to do is go to cycletalksa.co.za forward slash nine. Have a listen to it. Uh, and yeah, I'd love your, your feedback and comments. Uh, a legend of South African cycling has decided to hang up his wheels. Uh, and yeah, have a listen to that interview. Very, very cool as well. This week on the show, I mentioned it last week, but uh, chatting to a guy by the name of Raul de Jong, who recently got back from Europe uh, on an unbelievable uh, little trip. It was uh, 10 days worth of cycling. They climbed 52,000 meters vertically, all part of the Sense Coal Challenge, the 100 Mountain Challenge. Uh, and it sounds like it is a phenomenal trip. Chatted to Rule a little bit about that. If you don't know about Rule's background, he's actually a pretty decent age group of triathlete as well. Uh, and this past weekend actually ran the Otter African Trail Run as well. Uh, so just an all-round great athlete. And the cycling trip that he's undertaken sounds uh, really, really amazing. So I uh, hope you enjoy that interview. And then I also caught up with Catherine Albertane. Kath and I have actually known each other for many, many years, and uh, she has just become better and better as the years have gone by on the bicycle. Uh, and yeah, just chatted to her a little bit about her uh, sort of cycling prowess and how she's managed to get that much better. She's also lost 30 kilograms over the last five years through just cycling and watching what she's eating. Phenomenal story, and hopefully it'll fire you up to get out on the bike and, and maybe just work a little bit harder and try a little bit more. Uh, and get the most out of your cycling as well. Uh, that's all coming up on this week's show. Hope you enjoyed. As always, don't forget, if you'd like to be in touch, you can. You can tweet us at CycleTalkSA. You can also like our Facebook page. Just go to facebook.com forward slash CycleTalkSA. Or alternatively, you can pop me an email, podcast at CycleTalkSA.co.za. Without further ado, let's get straight into this week's show. Cycle Talk SA, uh, it's awesome to have Rul De Jong on the show today. And it's, it's interesting, Rul, I've chatted to you before uh, about triathlon. I've chatted to you about running. It's the first time I've chatted to you out and out cycling. And you've just got back from a flipping amazing, amazing trip. Uh, I was reading the blog post, looking at some of the photos. Uh, it's called the St. Cole Challenge. Uh, just, I mean, tell us a little bit about it. How many days was it? Uh, day after day of riding and you've done some flipping hectic climbing <laughs> yeah sun course challenge uh, is roughly uh, 200k a day roughly i'd say five five thousand meters a day of climbing um and it's 10 days you get a rest day in the middle but really it's about uh, being on your bike and and redefining the limits you know um and perceptions completely so well, just before we get into into some of, of the riding and some of the, the most epic climbs that you did on, on that trip, just a little bit about your background. I mean, you, you're, a, you're a triathlete. That's how I met you was through triathlon circles. Uh, you're a, a, a pretty decent, and I say pretty decent, I, I use that, that word, you, you're a very decent age group of triathlete, one of the best in the country. How did this come about that, that you were just going to go and, and, and cycle this thing because let's, let's be honest yeah it's, been, yeah it's been a bit of a progression over over years and 
um, I'd say yes. I was I was an Ironman athlete. Well, first a triathlete, and then an Ironman athlete, and and then I kind of started mountain biking a bit and trail running a bit more. And um, I'd say I probably call myself an adventurer now more than any specific kind of athlete. Um, I'm I'm really looking after uh, myself uh, in terms of long term athletic ability and trying to make sure I, I keep my mind going as well. And at the moment. I'm really enjoying just exploring and, and doing different things. And, and Sankals came up as uh, the toughest cycle sportif in the world. Um, so it's just a tour. There's no winner. Um, but it's really, it's about, it's about suffering. It's about riding your bike. It's about a break from, from life. Um, and it's, it's just very exciting because this is the Dolomites one is the hardest one of the three as well. And uh, you know, if you want to ride your bike in Europe, this is this is the best way to do it, I think. See, it, it sounds amazing because I, I mean, let, let's be honest. From a triathlete's point of view, I mean, there are a few tough races around the world, but generally, especially here in South Africa, I mean, the triathlon, the, especially the cycle routes, are, are pretty flat. So it must have been a, a massive change for you. Yeah, you do live in Cape Town, so there's some some great climbing to do there, but nothing compared to what you've done on this trip now. No, you know, the the two sort of tie in because. Um, the song calls challenge is more about perseverance than it is about climbing ability. You know, I think uh, one of the biggest things you can go in with there uh, with the wrong perception is to think you're going to climb well. Um, you just can't prep for it here. You know, some days we were climbing two-hour climbs, and I'd say the shortest climb we were doing in the morning was generally about 45 minutes to an hour, which is is the longest climb we can do here. Is a dirt road climb up to the mast. That is. 800 meters of vertical gain but it's it's not like on the road it's it, you know because it's the mountain it changes and and there's all of that so the longest ones we have here are probably 8 to 10k and the longest climbs we did was sort of 28k um so you just can't compare you also don't have the vertical so we were up at around between 27 and, and 2800 meters um, on multiple days you know so that's twice the height of Joburg. For a, a guy who trained with all the CA, it was just a, quite an adaptation, and and you just can't you can't go and ride your bike for nine or ten hours a day when you're here. You just you know that's why it's about it's about getting there and finding the best version of yourself, um, and just accepting everybody's suffering and it is a little painful and and eventually it becomes completely normal and. And suddenly you blink and, and you've done another nine-hour day as if it was nothing and you've climbed four times as much as uh, or five times as much as, as there is in the Argus in roughly, call it less than half the distance. Um, so, yeah, your perceptions change completely. I'm sure. Talk, talk me through the history of, of how this, this whole uh, St. Cole Challenge came, came about. Uh, there's this really cool guy. Um, he's a Brit. He's an ex-pyrotechnician. And he started cycling... At about the age of 40, he's called Phil Dika. Now, Phil learned about cycling, quickly fell in love with cycling. Um, then he wanted to do this challenge, which is a, a club you can do um, 100 calls. You get your stamps at the top of every call, and uh, when you've done 100, you get a badge. So he thought, well, there has to be a way to make it more difficult. So he, he tried to combine it into 10 days. Um, and then that's how the first ones got going. The first ones were in France. They needed the Pyrenees. And last year, he came up with the circle through the Dolomites uh, in Italy. Now, 
the average gradients in, in France and in Spain are around 6% and the average gradients in Italy are like 8 to 9%. So it's a much tougher ride. Um, and this was the second year they had it and you have to actually have qualified uh, or justified yourself 100% as to why you could come to the Dolomites. So it was great to be let in based on triathlon credentials um, and it was great to just kind of experience the back roads of Italy and places where sometimes we'd be riding for three hours and, and hadn't seen a car, you know. I mean, I'm just scrolling while, while you're talking. I'm just scrolling through through the photos because you, you, you've, you've blogged the first half and you've blogged the second half. And I'm just yeah. looking at some of these pictures. Roll, I mean, just the, the landscape. It's, it's, I mean, you can't describe it. It's, it's, it's just stunning. Mm. It's breathtaking. So, so the Dolomites are, are typically Italian. Um, very emotional. Very uh, dramatic. You know, it's, it was everything and more that I expected. Um, no, it was incredible, you know. It's, uh, it's, it's tough to explain it in, in images and words unless you've been there um, and how big the mountains are. Just, you know, kind of 2,000 meter rock faces um, and that sort of thing, which you just, we, we can't, can't even comprehend, you know. Table Mountain is a big mountain for me. When I first moved to Cape Town, it looked huge. Um, we rode up a climb where we climbed from, essentially from Camps Bay to the top of, Table Mountain in like seven kilometers at one point. Um, virtually straight up. Uh, it's 22%, call it an average, for about 6K. Um, and you just, there's nothing to prepare you for that. That's what I was going to say. There's not many places here in South Africa that have that sort of gradient. So, so I mean, how did you prepare? Was it a case of you just went there and went, you know what? I'm just going to have to bite the bullet and make this work. Yeah, I, I did multiple repeats up the steepest roads I could find here. There were two in specific that worked really well. We came up with a little route called the Houses, which goes from Camps Bay to the top of Signal Hill as quickly as possible. Um, and that has some multiple sections at like 10 or 12%. Um, and then I rode Red Hill up the military road, which is a little disused, but it's a nice concrete really steep 12%, but it's only sort of two and a half K, you know, so um, I did that multiple times um, and kind of hope for the best, but I think the the whole approach is just to ride your own pace, you're not racing, um, even though at times you are uh, against other guys and and you just kind of make it, um, and, and sometimes making it means going flat out for 6K up something you couldn't have fathomed, um, something like the Zonkalan is just... You know, new respect to to anybody who's ever attempted it. Never mind watching the pros riding it seated. Um, I get maybe ten pedal strokes seated, and then cadence would be down to thirty, and then I have to stand. So essentially, you're standing for an hour nonstop, going flat out. You know, it's, uh, it, it changes your perceptions of what's what's normal and what's possible. I'm sure. I'm sure. And and now that you've done one of the three, uh, have you got desires to go back into the other two? Um, you know, I think my adventuring days are, are just getting going. And uh, next year there's a fourth, <laughs> a brand new one. Um, Phil's always got some new plans. He's a, an interesting guy. So um, what I really liked was, you know, kind of what, what it says on the website, what you can expect for the day. It's just a rough guide. Um, you've been to some of the races here where if, if something's a kilometer long or uh, get really upset and want their money back. And, and what I really enjoyed was, like our first day was supposed to be 177k and like three and a half thousand meters of vertical. It was like 5,000 meters of vertical and like 200k, you know, and there's no, no excuses for it. It's just kind of like 
you know, just get on your bike and enjoy it. Um, and that was really refreshing for me. So I'm going to be looking for more of these sorts of events definitely um, in the future. And, and as far as the, the adventuring go, I mean, you're talking about going and looking at, at those. What else are you looking at doing? On the yeah, bike stuff or? Yeah, we do, we do this crazy ride. Um, and that's probably how it all got going. An unsupported mountain bike ride through the Clan called the Epic Unsupported Trip, um, which is 900Ks in eight days without a support car. Um, and one of the, well, there were a few thoughts, obviously, that came to me while I was in Italy. But um, I think a, a similar trip through Italy would be immense because they've got these little refugios where you can stay for free at the top of every pass. Um, and you can kind of make your way across with a backpack um, yeah, and kind of find your way. I think that would be great. I think with uh, the advance of Google Maps and, and the way Garmin is mapping things and companies like Tracks for Africa all around the world, you can kind of plot your way and, and take some friends who you trust uh, in the bottom of the barrel and there's, there's just some really cool stuff to be seen and done. So I don't think there'll ever be a, a, a shortage of challenges out there. And, and your triathlon racing days? No, that's still going. Um, Xterra is still a big focus for me. Um, I'll still be doing some half Ironmans. I'm taking a little break from Ironman at the moment um, just to do some, some different challenges like this one. And uh, my days of triathlon are, are long from over. Good. I'm glad to hear that, Roel, because you, you're, <laughs> you're a flipping. I mean, I love watching you race. And I mean, I saw, it, I saw you at Ironman this year. And it, uh, you, you literally, I mean, you raced really hard, but then you were out there at the end supporting everyone else. And I just, I mean, I've got massive respect for you for that. It's easy to head back to your hotel room, but, but you want to be there at the end and experience everyone else coming in. And I, I really dig that about you. I think uh, anything we do should, should not define our lives. And uh, racing is one of those things I think that too many athletes go to Ironman to be defined by Ironman. Too many guys go to the Epic because the Epic defines their year or their life. Or, and that for me is uh, the worst thing you could possibly do. So I'm trying to do as many cool things as possible without trying to fit into a box um, as a specific kind of athlete. And then just talk, talk to me weather-wise on, on this trip. I mean, I'm looking at some of these photos, and, and I mean, it, it, looks pretty, it looks pretty cold. So from, from minus 3 to 36 degrees Celsius. First few days were nice and hot, got a nice tan. Uh, um, and then once you start heading into the highlands, uh, in anything over 2,000 meters you, this time of the year, you can expect snow. Um, so we, we, we rode in the snow. Well, just before the trip, we did a quick day up and down the Stelvio on two of the sides um, and there we were we had some snow at the top um, and then obviously around the Gavia and around Mortirolo and around those there was there's snow and it's it's like six layers of clothing and, and polar buffs and knee warmers and arm warmers and two sets of gloves and it's properly cold I'm taking it the, the the people who ride this thing come from all over the show. It's not just Europeans. I mean, it's it's probably from no, around no, the globe. No, no, less Europeans than than anyone else. I'd say the majority were Londoners and and Aussies. Um, Aussies love to travel. Um, they love to travel for events, so they're pretty good. And and Rafa, which is the company which owns this tour, is based in the UK, so I think they get a great amount of exposure there. Um, but yeah, we had people from Norway, from the Netherlands, from Egypt, from obviously South Africa, from all sorts of cool places. And, and I mean, it's a small group. It's only 30 guys. So, but the, the kind of rider who, who comes to ride 2,000 Ks and climb 52,000 meters through Italy in 10 days is, is a pretty specific kind of rider. 
I actually can't wrap my head around that much climbing. Did you say 52,000 meters in 10 days? Yeah. So the, the epic is what, 17,000 meters? <laughs> I mean, yeah. Yeah, you, you just work it out. I mean, what, what's it to summit Everest? I think it's 8,000 meters to summit Everest. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, take 52 divided by 8, and that's how many times you went up Everest like on a bicycle yeah. in 10 days. That's manic. That's, yeah. that's phenomenal. Well, I love it. I, I mean, if people want to find out more about this, this ride, I'm presuming there is a website that they can go. There, there is. You go to scentcallschallenge.com. So, scent is C-E-N-T, the good old Czar uh, scent. Um, and then have a look. There's the three routes. There's all sorts of stuff um, and information on the stages and some photos and bit of a history and it's just really cool well what i'll do as well is i'll link from our website through to to where you've blogged on on privateer.co.za as well with the two the the first half and the second half so if people want to read up a little bit more about it they can do thank you cool Roll, it's been awesome chatting uh yeah that trip sounds flipping amazing i would love to do something like that but yeah it sounds it sounds cool yeah, the word that stuck with us for, for the trip is uh, immense. Yeah, that's, that would probably describe it. Roald Dion, yeah. thank you so much for chatting today. Uh, it's been a pleasure. Thanks, mate. This next guest, I tell you, it's, it's actually quite funny how this interview came about because uh, I've known her for, for years and years. Uh, we actually went to school together. And every week I sort of sit down and think, okay, who am I going to speak to this week on Cycle Talk SA? And we've had some, some awesome guests on. I mean, last week chatted to Robbie Hunter, who's just announced his retirement. And I've, I've been sort of toying with the idea of speaking to our, our next guest for a while. And I thought, oh, maybe, maybe not. And I just decided, you know what, I need to do it. And especially after this weekend. So it's an absolute pleasure to welcome onto Cycle Talk SA, Catherine Albertane. Kath, welcome onto the show. Thanks for chatting to us. Thanks, Brad. Thanks very much. Kath, the reason I wanted to chat to you is, is let's, let's get your cycling prowess out of the way. You, this weekend, uh, out in Heidelberg in, is Heidelberg in Gauteng? It is in Gauteng, eh? Yes, it is. I my, think so. Borderline free state, but. My <laughs> geographic skills aren't great, as you can tell. But you, you won a race uh, out in Heidelberg, and not just your age group, you won overall. So you were the first lady home this weekend as well. It was the Meals on Wheels. It's a 90K. And, Kath, one of the reasons I wanted to chat to you is you work full-time, you've got a, a pretty busy career, and you manage to train like an absolute machine, and when it comes to racing, you are a flipping machine. So, congratulations on your win this weekend, first of all. Oh, thanks very much. Kath, tell me a little bit about how, I mean, you, you haven't been cycling forever. We, like I said, we went to school together. You didn't cycle when we were at school, did you? Uh, the most most I did there was ride my bicycle with my suitcase on my back. <laughs> to and from school. And you played a bit of hockey, yeah. so you, you were fairly active. But w when did the, the cycling bug bite? I've probably been, I'm, I'm doing my 10th 94.7 this year, and, and that's really where it started. Um, it was actually 11 years ago. I missed one. Um, I did my first 94.7 on a mountain bike and then realized, gee, I actually quite enjoy this. And slowly just built up and, and did a few more races each year and um, just enjoyed it more and more. And um, along the way, I've lost a few kilograms, which has helped the times and, and made it a little bit more pleasant. And yeah, I've just, just carried on doing more and more races and making more friends and meeting more people through cycling. 
and just enjoying it. I mean, we'll talk about the weight loss because you, you said something really profound to me a couple of months ago, and it's, it's just it's stuck in my head, but I'll get onto that in a mo. When did you start? And, and Kath, your, your cycling career, you're just getting better and better and better. Like every single year, you're just getting faster and faster and faster. What, what is the secret to that? I mean, you mentioned the weight loss. Is, is, is it just that, or, or is it how you're training? Have you changed the way you train and, and that sort of thing? Yeah, I think the weight loss is a huge thing. I mean, anyone who, who rides a bicycle will know going up a hill when you're carrying a 10 kilograms extra is a, it's a big, big difference. Um, I have recently, um, the last year and a half, I've been training on, a, with a power meter twice a week. And I've definitely seen a big increase in my, in my, um, cycling abilities. Also, especially with hill climbing. Um, cause I'm not a small person. I don't go up the hills that easily, but, um, since I've been training with a power meter, I've seen a big difference. Um, and, you know, eating also comes into it a lot. Okay. Well, I mean, let, let's, we'll, we'll chat about the weights and the eating now. But talk to me about that power meter. Are you just watching it or are you actively sort of training to the numbers on the power meter? Um, no. I Look, I, I go to a class in forward called Caden Cycling and we do power-specific classes twice a week. You can do it more, but uh, believe me, after an hour of that, you are absolutely broken. So what they do is they sort of they test you up front. Um, you do a 20-minute threshold test, they call it. So you go as hard as you can, as fast as you can for 20 minutes, and they get your, your sort of um, upper threshold number, which is they then base your entire training around that. And you get a table of numbers um, with low, mid, and upper, and I think it's it's five different levels, and it sounds very confusing. But once you're there, it's, it's pretty straightforward. And through each class, it's tailor made. I mean, I've been doing it for since August last year, and I haven't done one class that's exactly the same. Um, so they they all work on different things, on, on increasing your VO2 max, on increasing your lactate threshold, you know, all of that kind of stuff. Um, which to the man in the street and well, me as well. I had no idea what that meant until I got on a bike and saw the, the results. Yeah, and, and I mean, those power meters, I mean, let's be honest, to get a power meter for your bike, they, they're not the cheapest bit of gear. But the more I chat to sort of elites and pros, and, and it's not just in cycling circles, I, I speak to a lot of, a lot of triathletes as well, and, and the top guys swear by power meters. They reckon they don't even look at heart rates anymore. It is just about power. So it's pretty cool that you can go and, and do this thing twice a week, and you don't necessarily have to have one on your bike, but you're training that way. Sort of, I'm taking it's a, it's a spinning bike that, you, that you're using? Exactly. It's a similar, very similar to a spinning bike. It's slightly different in that a spinning bike's got a fixed flywheel, but, I mean, that's just a technicality. It just doesn't have a fixed flywheel, so it, it's more... The amount of push you put in comes out directly in the wheel, so I think it just it measures the power more accurately. But yeah, I mean anyone can go and do it. So you don't, like you say, to me, having a power meter on your bike is, you know, I can't spend ten, fifteen grand on on a wheel. So this this is obtainable, and this is something that I can do. Yeah, that's exactly. It. I think if you've got the bucks, it'll it'll be cool to do. But for for most of us, I mean, we just don't have a spare ten, fifteen grand lying around to to get the stuff you need to get it on your on your bike. So it, it sounds sounds pretty cool. And and yeah, it's it's amazing that it has made such a difference. Because Kath, let's be honest. I mean, you you've just literally in the last sort of two years have you you've just kicked on and you're riding so flipping well. Yeah, I know it has. It has made a big difference. And and then Kath, let let's talk about the weight loss side of things. You, you say you've lost a bit of weight. How much weight have you actually lost? Probably in the last five years, I, I, I was, I've lost about 30 kilograms. I mean, that's amazing. You say you're big. You're not that big, Kath. I mean, you, how tall are you? Uh, 171. 
Yeah, I mean, you, you, you're tall as for a girl, but I mean, that's, that's not massive. But 30Ks is huge. And, and yeah. I, I mentioned the statement that you made to me a couple of months ago that is just really profound. And, and it, it made me laugh at the time, but the more I thought about it, I thought, you know what? It is flipping so true that you, you said to me that it's amazing how people will spend thousands on, on, on new wheels to get a couple of grams lighter, or they'll spend thousands on a new frame because it's a kilogram lighter than their current frame. But it just boils down to maybe watching what you eat a bit better and you can lose two, three Ks as easily as that. Completely. I mean, the weight is huge. And what I'm finding now, you know, with trying to be better and, and healthy in what I eat and even the day or the week leading up to a race, how I feel on that day or the day of the race is hugely influenced by the, the type of eating week I've had. So, you know... If I've gone out and eaten fast food and pizzas and, you know, you've also got to live. But if you, I can see the difference on the day of the race if that's what I've eaten the night before. Okay, and let's talk about food-wise. How big a change have you made? I mean, like, what have you done differently from, from an eating perspective? Um, I, I see a nutritious every month. And um, probably the biggest change is I pretty much don't eat any, any refined carbs. So all my carbohydrate intake is um, vegetables, fruit, yogurt, you know, dairy, that kind of thing. I don't eat any real pasta, bread, um, potatoes, none of that stuff. So, you know, well, I mean, I, I say I don't, I shouldn't, but I <laughs> every now and then I, I slip up and, and treat myself. But I mean, even the night before race, I used to say the, re- the reason why I race it, uh, is, is because I can carb load and that's changed completely. We, do, we don't carb load. I eat carbs on the morning of a race or immediately after two and a half plus training, at least two and a half hour plus training ride. And that's, that's pretty much the, the only times I eat, I eat any carbs. Talk to me about the, the night before a race because that is a huge sort of shift in thinking. I, I know, I mean, Prof Tim Noakes has probably been the guy who's like stirred the pot big time about that. But I mean, you, you said you used to carb load before, so it was pastas and that sort of thing. What do you eat now typically the night before a race? Now, yeah, I, I avoid pasta. So I would have some fish and vegetables, nothing major, and yeah, healthy. Okay, cool. And as and as far as training goes, Kath, I mean, you you you're working full time. It's not like you've got a uh, that you work for yourself and you can come and go as you please. I mean, you've got a boss to answer to at the end of the day. Uh, yeah. Training wise, what do you do? I mean, I know you're a spinning instructor as well, so you you, you spend quite a bit of time on on a, on, a, on an indoor bike. But as far as riding Monday to Friday, what do you do? Yeah, um, I try and get. I probably get. You know, I do the the power meter training twice a week, so that's two hours a week. I I, I instruct spinning twice a week, and then I try and get in at least one morning ride, um, a forty k or so before work. I also try and get in a, a few runs. I do find running helps cycling. Huge, huge, huge amounts, um, and it doesn't have to be long runs. You know, ten less, ten or less kilometers twice a week really makes a big difference to your cycling. And then on the weekends is when I get my my long rides in. Sort of, if I can, two, three hour plus rides on weekends, Saturday and Sunday. You mentioned you mentioned the running, uh, the cross training side of it. You you say you do a, 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 an odd few. You've done three comrades as well over the last three years too. How much how much of a of a part does that cross training play in in sort of strengthening and and improving your cycling ability? Uh, no, it's huge. I mean, I just I found I think it was last year I ran, I was training for comrades and I, I rode in August on pretty much 
only comrades training. It might have been my first comrades. I can't remember. Yeah, I know. It definitely, was, it definitely wasn't last year. Let me jump in there because you did absolutely <laughs> no training for comrades last year. So it, it, wasn't, it wasn't last year's comrades. I know that for a fact. <laughs> um, but I, I rode in August with pretty much only running training and I managed a, a pretty decent time. And really, the only thing that that hurt me was shoulders and, and bum and from not sitting on the saddle often enough. But, um, I mean, not to say that that you can do anything in running training. I just think it gives you a different – it's a different kind of fitness. Um, you know, the the you, you probably struggle a bit more on the hills because I think you lose your – you might lose a bit of that brute strength. But, um, yeah, the, the running definitely helps the cycling a lot. Do you find do you find that it also mixes up your training a little bit? I just find that if I only stick to one discipline, I do tons of cross training. If if I stick to one discipline, I get bored. Do do you find that as well? That it just it, it makes it a bit more interesting. Yeah, definitely. No, definitely. I, I mean, it just throws in something different. It's also often a different group of people that you you're chatting to and meeting up with, and yeah, it's just interesting to to do the the different disciplines. I've also recently started to attempt to swim. Or maybe I should say not to drown. So that's my <laughs> my new thing, and I'm, I'm hoping and, and thinking that that's going to do me, give me some nice core strength. Yeah, it also is probably the area I lack lack the most. Yeah, I think it also it'll improve the, the cardiovascular side of things too. Because I mean, as far as cardiovascular workout, swimming is is amazing from from that perspective. And then, Kath, if somebody's listening to this thing, who's who's maybe they're plodding along and they, they're just battling to to step up and, and maybe maybe they've set some goals and let's talk maybe it's the Momentum 94.7 cycle challenge where maybe they've done five or six and, and, and they've always done maybe it's a, a three and a half and they want to go under three. What advice could you give to someone about setting a goal and, and just sort of working towards it? Maybe they want to get faster or, or maybe they, they just battling to, to step up from riding 40k rides to 100k rides. What, what, mm. what advice could you give them? Look, I think with with training, consistency is key. I think that's your number one goal is is to be consistent. So whether it's five hours a week or if it's three hours a week, it's to be consistent. Not to ride 10 hours this week and two hours next week, that's that's not going to get you anyway. Um, also, you, you're better off with, with a, a better quality of workout and a, a lower time period. So, you know, go out there and... Do a really hectic spinning class or go out there and put everything you can in for an hour, you know, if that's all you've got, rather than going and spending three hours and plodding along and you, you're not really getting away. Look, base, base fitness also counts for a lot, and that's where those long three-hour rides, four-hour rides, five-hour rides at 65 70% heart rate come in. But if you're limited for time, you definitely want to go for, for quality of workout and going as hard as you can for an hour. Yeah, I mean, you talk about the spinning. You you do lots. I mean, you do those those two power workouts. You also give two spinning classes a week. There's there's lots to be said about spinning and and how that can help your cycling too. Most definitely. I mean, I've always my husband always jokes that we get to the top of a hill and and I just roll through. I don't stop and recover and spin out and and just bring my legs to a stop. Yeah, and that's definitely from years and years of spinning. You know, you don't stop pedaling for an hour. So no matter what you say, you go out on a road ride for an hour, you're probably not pedaling for, for 25% of that ride. But in a spinning class, you don't stop. So it definitely gives you a level of, of fitness and a different kind of recovery rate that you, that you wouldn't pick up maybe with some, something else. 
Yeah, and it's a great way if you are pressed for time, especially if you're working and you've got crazy hours and that sort of thing. It's, it's a great way if you are pressed for time to get like a really decent high-intensity hour workout in once a, once a day if you have to. Definitely. And I mean, you know, to me also be, belonging to a club that's interactive and and has stuff going on. And, you know, I, I ride for Cycle Lab and they are always, they've got club, they've got marshals on every every Saturday and Sunday ride. And especially as a woman, you know, you don't want to go out there and ride on your own for three hours on a Saturday and anything can happen. And nowadays, look, it doesn't matter man or woman, you you endangered by cars. And to belong to a club and a, a cycling fraternity helps a lot and that they support you and it's there's a tent at the end of the race and they, you know there's a lot going on and and keeps you motivated and excited I mean you go there to to ride but you're also going there to see your friends and to catch up with your mates that you haven't seen during the week and it becomes a bit of a, a ritual yeah true uh, and then Kath just as far as looking ahead you you mentioned your 10th momentum 94.7 this year uh going for the win <laughs> A lot, yeah, not, not the, the win overall. That would be wonderful, but no, that won't happen. Um, I'd I'd really like to to win my category. Um, that's my my aim. I'm getting to the old side of my age category, but I won't use that as an excuse. Apparently, endurance is an age thing. So the older you get, the better you get up to a limit. So I'm hoping I'm hoping I can stick it in there and and finish first in my cat. Okay, cool. And then after the momentum ninety four point seven, what what you got on the cards? Looking ahead, sort of. I, I know you, you you're riding the, the the double century as well a week later. And and after that, after that, we um, I'm going to try a bit more mountain biking. I've started that a year ago. Um, really enjoying that as well. So we've entered the uh, a race. I think from McCully's Adventure. To, it's my first two day race ever in any type of sport. So that'll be interesting. Um, on the 1st and 2nd December, I think. And then it's half Ironman in Jan. I'll be needing to spend some time in the pool and out on the road. And then we'll go from there. We'll see. Awesome. <laughs> Not sure after that. Kath, brilliant, man. It's, it's, it's been so lucky catching up. I mean, I love, I love spending time with you because your story is just so flippant inspiring. And uh, hopefully we can fire up some people with, with your journey here today. Oh, thanks, Brad. Thanks very much. I appreciate it. Two interviews this week that I really, really enjoyed doing. Hopefully you enjoyed listening to them as well. Uh, I'm busy working on a project with regards to some cool cycling resources that I use. And uh, I want to know what your favorite cycling resources are. Putting together a bit of a list uh, that could benefit the South African cycling fraternity. So if you use any really cool cycling resources, it doesn't have to be online. Uh, If it is online, send us the link. Or perhaps you use a a cool Android app or a cool Apple app. Uh, We'd like to know about it. Okay, You can pop me an email, podcast at cycletalksa.com. Dot co. Dot za. It's podcast at cycletalksa.co.za. Also, if you have any feedback or information you'd like uh, to share on the show, or perhaps you know someone who would be a great interview, whose story would just really inspire other cyclists, we'd love to uh, find out more about it. Uh, looking forward to hearing from you. It's podcast at cycletalksa.co.za. As always, if you'd like to be in touch on Twitter as well, you can at cycletalksa or you can head to our Facebook page. It's facebook.com forward slash cycletalksa. It's as simple as that. Uh, from myself, Brad Brown, as always, it's been great. I hope you enjoyed the show and I look forward to chatting to you again same time next week. Until then, cheerio. Cheerio.